Hi, I'm Melinda, and this is the See Here Love Summer 2020 podcast series. In a year filled with protest, a pandemic, economic uncertainty, conflict and tension, we need to hear stories of hope, faith, resilience, and transformative change more than ever. So let's listen to brave people share their courageous stories now. Today, my conversation is with Addison Bevere. He's the author of the book, Saints, Becoming More Than Christians, and the COO of Messengers International. Whoa, this show is going to blow your mind. Because Addison talks a lot about exchanging a lifeless religion for the wonder of following Jesus. And it talks about why people are in sort of post-Christianity and deconstructing their faith it's a really honest conversation about the questions that we have that for Christians who have, well, been Christians for a long time and how things are not connecting with the life of Jesus and what we're seeing in the church and with Christians in uh, political positions and in church positions, there is tension around the whole church culture and religion. He talks a lot about the questions we need to ask, the posture of listening we need to be in, and what saints mean in regards to not just being a Christian, but what it means to be a saint. It is a powerful conversation that I know you're gonna love. I loved it, and I learned a lot from Addison. So enjoy this conversation, and I hope that you take out a notebook and a pen and write down the learnings from this conversation. Enjoy. We're back with Addison Bevere, COO of Messenger International. Woo! Missions, I love that. Co-founder of SonsAndDaughters.tv and author of the book, Saints Becoming More Than Christians. Wow. Addison, this is going to be such a great conversation. I can't wait to speak with you. Where where are you um, calling in from on the call? I'm here in beautiful Colorado Springs, Colorado. Ooh, yes, so yes, it's beautiful. it's such a nice such a nice day here, Melinda. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to to chat with you. Yes, well, Addison, obviously we're in the middle of COVID nineteen, this pandemic. You have four kids. Yep. Wife, I do. Though you're living in beautiful Colorado, how has it been going during this time for you? You know, it's I'm kind of a homebody. Okay. So I'm more more introverted. Uh, I love being at home with my kids. I love being at home with my wife. I had a lot of travel that I was supposed to be doing during this time that got canceled. And and while I I miss going to those places and getting to share on the Saints message and stuff, I love being with my family. So we we are having to figure out new rhythms though. Homeschooling three kids and yeah. uh, me doing everything that I do for for Messenger and Sons and Daughters and for the Saints book. And it's, you know, it's been a lot. My wife has been such a champion through this whole, uh, through this whole ordeal. And so we're, we're enjoying extra time together. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, Addison, are you doing anything new? Have you taken up any new skill or passion <laughs> or crafting idea in this time? <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. I wish, I wish I had a better answer for you, but my son, he's been trying to get me into um, this, switch so the video game this this game he's been trying to get me to play it with him yeah. and i'm just not a gamer like i never have been my whole life 
And so I've started playing a little bit of Super Smash Brothers wow. with him. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we've started doing that a little bit together, like 15, 20 minutes a day. Uh, but no, I've, I've been reading. Like, I love reading. That's, that's my hobby. I love reading. And so I've been able to read a lot. And, and it's beautiful here in Colorado. And there are some trails pretty close to where we live. So we go out as a family on the daily and get outside and enjoy the beautiful outdoors here. So it's been, as I mentioned, like, I, I don't want to belittle the struggle and the pain and, and what the world's going through right now. I mean, the truth is we're all in the same storm, yeah. but we're in different places in that storm. And, and for us, I mean, we've been, we've been pretty sheltered and pretty safe here where we live. So, yeah. So this book, Saints Becoming More Than Christians, before we get right into oh. it, um, after looking at your videos and reading a little bit about it, I just, I, here's an honest question I have for you. Um, I, yeah. It comes out of a personal sort of like sort of my own world but i'm excited for this question i could tell this is going to be okay, a good one i know i'm, gonna, I'm ready i'm kind of like I'm, you can you saw me kind of looking up <laughs> so addison um a number of my friends people i know who've been in ministry who have been sort of evangelical evangelical christians for a long time are now yeah. in this phase whether it's a movement a new reformation of theological deconstruction sure so questioning the bible they're questioning a lot of things Christian culture, all of that. Uh, what would you say to that? I mean, I, I think when I was reading the book, it's like, I think there's some, some answers in your book for that. But what are your sort of over overall thoughts about this sort of movement of people saying, whoa, we're stepping back and, and deconstructing, which, you know, a faith or religion or religion of Jesus that once was sort of core, and now I've got some serious doubts and issues with it. Yeah, I think... I think in many ways, the gospel message that we've grown up with is too small for our big world. And I'm not saying that the gospel is too small, yeah. but I think the version of the gospel, the version of God, the, the version of the good news, the version of what it is to be the church, I think it's too small. And, and some of the younger generations are poking holes in it. So for me, like I'll speak from my journey. Okay. I probably haven't liked calling myself a Christian for 20 years. And I've grown up in a wonderful, quote unquote, Christian family, but there are so many labels and stigmas and stereotypes that have attached themselves to this idea of being a cultural Christian yeah. that I find to be very different in many ways, counter to what we find in scripture. And I think also our generation, they're looking for something more. That's why people are turning to DIY spirituality. They're turning to different religious practices. It's almost like... They're saying, hey, we tried this whole Christian thing out. It didn't work. So now we're moving on to something else. Terms like post-Christian are getting thrown out more and more. And I think it, and I think we have to take an honest look at this and be like, what message are we sending to our world about what it is to be people of faith? And does that harmonize with the biblical narrative? Yeah. And so it's not for me, like I think deconstruction is a good thing. I think it's healthy for every generation to wrestle with yeah. the sacred text. Um, I think there's a huge difference between deconstruction and destroying. And if we're really confident in our faith, if we're confident in the one who is the answer, the one who is truth, we should invite questions. We yeah. should invite conversation. I think in many ways, the church, and I'm speaking generally, the church and church culture hasn't offered a safe place for people to ask hard questions. Yeah, that is so good. And I, I mean, and part of that too, then Addison is 
why Christians and the church have gotten such a bad rap. A lot of, you know, we had David Kinnaman on from the Barna Group, you know, a while back talking about why young people are leaving. And they're like, you're, what you just said, that we're not creating spaces for honest conversation in no. real things like, you know, sex and in you know, vocation and how kind of Jesus works in our life in a very practical way. It's been so yeah. drop these like scriptures and walk away and then figure it out or that's the answer. So if you pray this prayer, if you pray it, it's going to be the same outcome of what happened in the Old yeah. Testament. It's going to happen today. Well, that stuff doesn't necessarily work. Well, it, do, it doesn't work. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Because I think that's those are big discussions that especially the millennial generation are having. Yeah, I think I think we get into trouble when we grasp for a sense of control that just isn't ours. I talk about this in the book. There's two chapters that I spent on the otherness of God and the fact that, look, it's not our responsibility to create God in our image. In some ways, I feel like God created us in his image and now we return the favor. We've created a God that gives us what we want, that helps us create this sense of control, this, this institution that, that we've built, that in many ways is a reflection of our own fears, our own doubts, our own concerns. And so like, again, I, I'm not here to knock on the church. Like that's not, that's not my goal. The reality is just look at the the early epistles, like study church history, it's been broken since day one. So my, my goal is not knock on the church. My goal though is to say, look, like let's have honest conversation because there are real people that are, they're just not getting the message. Like it's not working. There's a disconnect. And if our goal, as is, as is so clear in Acts 1 with Jesus, after he's, you know, he's, he's resurrected from the dead, he does one thing, one thing. He preaches on the kingdom of God. That's it. He preaches on the kingdom of God and his disciples come to him. They're like, Hey, so when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, like when are you going to make it about us, our comfort zone, our ethnicity, our cultural practice. And he's like, no, you don't get it. Like this message isn't just about you. This message has to get, has to go wider, has to go broader than your small world. This is about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I think in some ways we've got a little too comfortable in our small Christian bubbles. And that's created a lot of tension because we no longer have the same seat at the table that we once did when we're talking about these big issues facing our world today. Addison, that's amazing. So for someone like me doing Christian broadcast, for the pastor, for ministry people, what can we do then to ensure that, you know, we don't sort of perpetuate this to the next generation, to the next generation? You know what I mean? Like creating that. What would you say? Man, that is, that is such a good question. There's so many answers. I'm going to try to hone in on a couple. Okay. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use, use this idea of a saint to answer your question. Perfect. So when, when people hear the word saint, they're probably like, why in the world did you write a book called Saints okay. Becoming yeah. More Than Christians? Yeah. And right? I, like, can I just interrupt you? Because I said The Saint, I know it's, it's one, of, it's one of my favorite movies, The Saint with Val Kilmer. I mean, I, it's, when you said that, I, it immediately Val Kilmer's face came to mind. Yeah. I actually bought it on VHS and then I've watched it, I think on Netflix or wherever. And, I've, wow. and it's old now. But when you said that immediately, I thought, oh, The Saint, Val Kilmer. Yeah. I, I know, I digress, keep going. No, no, I love that, I love that. Hey, anytime we can get some, some pop culture stuff in, that's good. Hey, it's Chris, friend of See Here Love with Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I just had to let you know that the only way that See Here Love gets to produce fun and authentic conversations like this one is through your financial donations. So go to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. 
when I look at this word saint, I see, I see something that unlocks everything that we crave as humans. I'm not just talking about Christians. I'm talking about humans. Yeah. And, and so when we think of the idea of a saint, we think of anyone but us. We think of Mother Teresa. We think of St. Paul. We think of people who lived a long time ago. They were canonized by the church. They did extraordinary feats. And they live now in stained glass windows with halo, halos on their heads, right? Like that's a saint. But the truth is, and this, like, this, will, this will rock some people as they dive into this. The truth is, if you look at the New Testament, you will find that the word Christian is used only three times in the entire New Testament. Twice in Acts, once in 1 Peter. Okay? And honestly, all three times, it's kind of used in a disparaging way. And I don't have time to get into that. But all three times, it's kind of used in a disparaging way. But the word saint is used all throughout the New Testament to describe what was happening this disruptive move of God, this new norm, this kingdom of God being established on earth as it is in heaven. And so if you think about the letters that we find in the New Testament, how do they begin? To the saints in Rome, to the saints in Corinth, to the saints in Ephesus, right? Paul, he is calling these new believers, these first century Christians, and he's also speaking to us through scripture. He is calling them saints. He's not saying, hey, one day if you do X, Y, and Z, you become a saint. He's saying, you're a saint right now. And because you're a saint, that means you dive into the messiness of our humanity. That means you get your hands dirty because you have a vision for our world. You are a soul on tiptoe. You peek behind and beyond what is to get a glimpse of what could be. And that's truly what a saint is. A saint is someone who merges the worlds of what is and what will be, establishing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And if you go back into the Old Testament, you find all these prophetic visions of what essentially would be the saints and what the saints would step into and what it would mean to be a saint. And if you look at Jesus's favorite subject, what the the subject he talked about more than anything else, what was it? It was the kingdom of God and saints are people of the kingdom. Now I'm sharing some lofty ideas here. You're like, okay, that's a bit esoteric Addison. So like, what does that mean for us today? Well, here's the profound thing about a saint, a saint because they have this vision of what could be, they get into the mundane they realize that the every day is sacred. Like we have bought this lie that what we do on Sunday, that's sacred and everything else, we're just like trying to get through life or make it through life. It's all secular. That's entirely untrue. The gospel is supposed to reclaim every person and every space. So saints are people who are stay-at-home parents. They're CEOs of companies. They're baristas. They're engineers. They're mechanics. They're all over the map and they're people who see their lives through the lens of significance that god intends for us now one of the things about our generation is we're very justice oriented right very justice oriented we're we love our social justice causes well if you look at scripture god's kingdom is established on two things righteousness and justice both we need both we need righteousness and justice and i'm concerned that the that the idea of what it is to be a christian has followed suit and models this idea of the Western dream where it's very self-centric. And you know this, when you live for yourself, you start to live small, your world starts to feel small, you start to question purpose, you start to question significance. All of those things happen. That's why Jesus said, look, if you want to find life, if you want to find the good life, deny yourself. Right. It's very paradoxical. He's like, deny yourself. And by denying yourself, you're actually going to find the calling, the purpose, the significance that you crave. And so I think my generation, and and it's not just my generation, it's a generation across the board, have this sense of we got to move from my father who was in heaven to 
our Father who is in heaven. Not forgive me my sins, but forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. As we move from this small self-centric idea of Christianity, which is just getting a ticket into heaven one day and not feeling bad about yourself in the present, into this larger mission that God has called us to restore justice and righteousness and faithfulness and goodness and love and mercy and forgiveness in our everyday lives, we're going to wake up. And that's what saints do, like they wake up. We're going to wake up and we're going to see the mystery of existence, the purpose that we long and we crave for. Oh, Addison. Okay, so here's the thing. You were on fire. Like that was just like coming through the screen. Like I could feel it. How, like, I I think it's just because, you know, I think everybody listening will be like, I want that kind of passion and understanding. I get that. I'm resonating and tracking with what Addison's saying. How did you get there? Because like, like you and me, we grew up as Christians. Yeah you know, parents who are in ministry and, and in that kind of work. And there's a lot of people who are like, I don't have that same kind of fire. I've, I've sort of been in the same situation you guys have both been in sure. what was it for you because was it like an aha has it been a gradual journey? How do we get that same thing? It, I don't want to stay small. It's not mine. It's our collective, you know, response uh, to this. So what was it for you? For me, I would say it was a series of steps and it continues to be a series of steps, but it started with me saying like, God, I'm not content for powerless sentiments. I'm not, I'm not content like with this small idea of what it is to be a follower of Christ. Like I want to know truth. I'm not going to give my life and exchange what you've given to me, this gift of life for something so small and insignificant. And that allowed me to ask hard questions. And it also challenged me to see the real people around me. A few years ago, I had, um, I'll share this story. I think, it'll, I think it'll give some context. I had a cataract surgery. And for those of you out there who don't know what a cataract is, you get a fog on your lens. It was this lens. You get a fog on your lens. And what they have to do is they have to go in and they cut out your lens and they put in an artificial <laughs> lens. And normally just really old people get cataracts. Like I was the only person under 65, under 70 in the pre-op. I'm not kidding. I, I actually took a video of like all the old people around me. Anyway, so, but what happened is mine was trauma induced. And so it happened, they think, when I was in my mom's womb. Anyway, so I get this surgery. I'm supposed to be able to see clearly after they give me a fake lens and there were complications. I couldn't see clearly. Then I had another surgery and then I had two more procedures after that. So I had four procedures within the span of like four weeks. And after the fourth procedure, I still can't see clearly. Right. Like I can't see clearly out of my right eye. It's still like I'm looking through a fog. Cause that's what it's like. You're looking through a cataract. Like you're looking through a fog. And I'm sitting there with the surgeon Melinda and I'm like, doctor, what's going on? Like, why can't I see clearly? And he looked at me and he said, Addison, there's nothing I can do to make your vision better. He's like, you have a perfectly clear lens. He said, your brain is still convinced you're seeing through a fog. Wow. And, I, and it hit me in that moment. We as followers of Jesus, like we have new life. We have like the mystery and the wonder of new creation inside of us. But we haven't really woken up to the beauty of holiness to the beauty of righteousness, to the beauty of community. And how do we wake up? How do we see something? How do we know something that we couldn't see? And scripture makes it very clear. God gives grace. And, and I, love, I love this because I think this is going to speak your language. God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. James 4, 1 Peter 5. What does that mean? Well, grace is the ability to first and foremost see things that we couldn't see before. So we could feel things that we never felt before. So we can do things 
that we've never done before. What do most people try to do? They try to change what they do or they try to change what they feel without changing how they see. And that's why the gospel message, and this is why Jesus modeled ministry the way he did. He would get people to change how they saw, number one, God, number two, themselves, number three, the world. And so if we're going to do that, we're going to have to dive into the messiness, into the tension of being and have patient and hard conversations with people. One of the chapters in the book is called God's Love Language. And I talk about why patience is the first attribute of love. And I think our world demands tolerance and people demand tolerance when you don't show them patience. See, patience has a vision for someone that comes from this deep and profound love and commitment and dedication to them. Whereas I think so often we're just treating people as issues. We're pushing Mm -hmm. them to the side. We're like, get your stuff figured out. Then we can walk alongside each other. But God's like, no, that's not how I work. I draw close and I communicate that vision to you. I work with you patiently to give you new eyes to see. Man, I'm so thankful that God hasn't given up on me. And so saints are people who, who see things differently. Like we live in the same world, but we see things differently. We look at Hebrews 11, there's a list of men and women who the world was not worthy of. That's how verse 34 describes them. The world was not worthy of them. Why wasn't the world worthy of them? Because they were exactly what the world needed. Mm. And what was the one attribute that they all had in common? They could see the unseen. Why do you think Jesus again and again and again talked about having eyes to see? Ears to hear, heart to perceive and understand. Why do you think Paul so often, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 13. I mean, it's all over the place in Paul's stuff. And then you get over, John's talking about 1 John 3, James is talking about it, James 1, Jude's talking with me, Peter's talking about 2 Peter 1. It's all over the place, this idea of our mind being renewed. There is something greater. Like we think we've seen the full extent of it, but there's something more. But we're not going to see that more until we humble ourselves. And we can't humble ourselves if we're living in fear, if we're terrified of what could be if we take that step. And I do think that's a part of the challenge that the church is going to have to face right now is we're going to have to model humility as a church. If we're going to tap into a grace that's going to allow us to to reach new people and to do new things. So good, Addison. So as people are listening, I'm listening, watching. I'm like, sign me up. I want to be a saint. What does that practically look like? Like, I mean, maybe I'll do a plug get your book, <laughs> get the book so you can read about it. But in yeah. practicality, because especially when I'm like dealing with like millennials and, and working with them, it's like, right. I want that practical tool, Melinda, give me that one resource skill. But for also anybody across the ages, we can sure. start at any time to say, I, I need to just stop seeing my life for what it is. If I'm a follower of Jesus, if I'm not, and I'm kind of searching and questioning, but you know, what is that kind of mo- thing, that step that we need to do to say, okay, you know what, I, yeah. I will fully live my life as, as a true saint and a true, humble, gracious follower of Jesus. Yeah, well, that's a great question. I think the first step is acknowledging that you are a saint. Hmm. And I know people like, people like what? what? <laughs> so here's the thing, like, you don't have to perform three miracles or raise someone from the dead or whatever. Like, that's not what the saint is. A saint is someone who knows that they are his. A saint is actually the, the term is, is very closely tied to family. And so it's like, you know, you are a child of God. You know, you're a son, a son or a daughter. And because you know that you're a saint, 
And now when you start saying like, I'm a saint, what it does, and this is how God works. So God, he exists outside of time. So he sees things not just as they are. He sees them as they could be, as they will be, as they should be. And he sees things as they once were. So what God does is he speaks prophetically over us. And by speaking prophetically over us, he moves us into something new. And that's like, if you look at Ephesians 2, where it says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that's a, that's a declaration, if you will, of faith, saying we are moving into that place and we are in that place now. It's both and. And I actually end the book with this line. I say, you are a saint, now become one. And that is the tension of being. It's like, we are already a saint. We are already a child of God. And now the life, like the good life that we crave, and that's how I start the book, the good life that we crave is actually the life spent journeying into what that means for us practically, specifically, individually, and corporately. And I, I, I would love to give people a formula and we love to reduce everything to, everything to formulas because when we reduce the formula, we can control it. We can manipulate it. We can twist it. And Jesus, if you study his life, he wouldn't do that. He would not play their games. He would always go after the why. He would always communicate the bigger idea. And he refused for his words to be twisted and repurposed in a way that would lead to bondage instead of freedom. Amazing. That's amazing. Addison, that is so good. I think for the church, for people who have been Christians and followed Jesus for a long time, people who are deconstructing their faith, this is really important. I think, I think it's actually, it's encouraging too, because I think something new like this, seeing ourselves in a new way is so healthy, refreshing, liberating. Because I think, you know, even for me, uh, you know, being a Christian in my sort of prodigal years, I was so far away from that. I was embarrassed by that label because of what it represented. People were like, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're not flexible, open, you don't care for people, it's all about you. Like, that what people would say to me as soon as I would say I was a Christian. So then I kind of like shied back and was like, okay, I'm not that. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus and people got yep. Jesus. Uh, so that, that's really encouraging for me. So I, I really thank you. Any, any last thoughts? I mean, there's so much in your book. We talked about grace, God's love language. I mean, there's, there's things like conversion versus salvation, your green eggs and ham book. I mean, there's so many things. Any last thing that you just want to kind of encourage or remind or say before we have to be off this? Or are you, unless you want to talk for two hours more, Addison, and make <laughs> a really long show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, I would just tell people like, look, there's a shaking and stirring happening right now in Yay. our world. Mm -hmm. There is the, the old norm is gone. A new season has begun. And I believe that it is the time of the saints. And I believe that we are on the verge of a great revival, a return to the heart and plans of God. But every revival must first start with a reformation. That's what like, we don't understand. Like before there's a revival, we have to change the way we think. We have to change the way we see God see ourselves, see our world. And I know, I know people out there, they might not think of themselves as a saint. And they're like, Addison, are you just, you know, pulling something out of the air, something that's clever, something that's novel? The truth is, this isn't new. I'm not, I'm, it's fresh, but it's not new. I'm not making something up. This is the biblical narrative. And it was the narrative of the early church. It was their narrative when they were turning the world upside down, when they were reclaiming the broken, when they were reaching out to the marginalized, when they were reconciling groups of people that didn't get along, yeah. they were known as saints. And I think our world right now with the world that we're in, it needs us to grab this banner 
and say, look, we are people who practice and participate in the mystery of the final day. Even when we don't fully understand it, we lean in by the power of faith, hope, and love to build for what God has promised our world. Preach it. Amazing. Woo! Addison, that was so amazing. Addison, the author of this incredible book, Go Get It Now. And Addison, thank you so much. That, that it's what I needed uh, today to encourage me in my own journey of faith. And as I communicate, you know, the truth and the good news of Shalom, uh, you really encouraged me today. So thank you so much for being thank you, Melinda. here on See Here Love. So appreciate it. An honor. Thank awesome. you so much for having me. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. I sure did. And for more information about our guests and to read our blogs and resources and to watch our past episodes and to even donate to us, go to seeherelove.com. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.